five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, my name is Dee Moore and welcome to part two of the 100th episode of Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. Joining me for part two is my co-host again today, and that's Nikki Tapper, my good friend Nikki Tapper, and she's going to be turning the tables on me, and today I'm going to be interviewed. Can you believe it? And I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, so if you give a hand of applause to Nikki Tapper. So my first guest today is consultant transplant surgeon, Dr. Frank Dorr. And Dr. Frank joined me for two extra special episodes. And that was listener-led episodes, which was episode 27 and also episode 37, which was a very significant episode because this was the first episode that was in partnership with Kidney Care UK. So I really wanted to mark that by opening up the podcast to the listeners to sending their questions and Dr. Frank has always gave some amazing answers and I feel like it's it's so funny because this is literally the first time we've met each other in person but I feel like I've known you like for years and years and years so I'm really happy that you've been able to join me today so welcome Dr. Frank. Likewise it's really great to be here the big celebration and also uh, you know to congratulate you for all the work you're doing because it's really, really significant. You probably don't realize even how significant it is. Thank you so much. So I know that um, you're very passionate about preemptive transplantation, um, which isn't something that is done so frequently in the UK. So I wanted to have a quick chat about preemptive transplantation. And could you explain to the listeners and the viewers, what is preemptive transplantation? Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, one of my passions. Preemptive transplantation really means uh, doing the kidney transplant before you really need to start dialysis. And in order to achieve that, the most successful strategy would be to have early education. And I think this theme comes back again and again and again, knowing early on that you may need a transplant at you know, a certain time point in your journey as a kidney warrior or patient. Um, this is, this is the, the power we need to give to people with kidney disease. And of course, um, finding a living donor sounds really easy, but may not be so easy. And it takes time to come around the idea that your kidney disease may be progressing. And it takes time to find in your social network, um, because it could be anyone in your social network who could donate, find people that actually may be willing to help you. And we discussed before, kidney disease is not so visible as other diseases may be. Um, silent killers, all those terms are actually very true. People may not realize how sick you are as a kidney patient and how dangerous kidney failure really is. And lots of people seem to think, oh, but they can go on dialysis, which is absolutely fine. But we know that if you can prevent dialysis, it is much better in terms of outcome. Um, and this sounds really technical, but the, the chances to live longer with a transplant are just much better if you do it 
preemptively, so before start of dialysis. And to achieve that, highly likely, um, most successful is if you have a living donor, because the waiting list for kidney uh, transplantation from a deceased person is just long and people can wait two, three years or more on average. Uh, and some people never get a transplant. So avoiding all those complications of dialysis and a life on dialysis is not easy um, is the best way forward. I would agree with that a thousand percent. I mean, touching on what you said, so people might not actually realize that you can donate a kidney while you're still alive. Many people might think that it's only possible after death. So just again, explaining very quickly the difference between living and deceased donation. Yeah, there is uh, so much to say about this, but um, living people that are healthy, generally healthy, you don't have to be a superman or superwoman in order to donate a kidney. You can be generally healthy. Uh, people who have two kidneys, people are willing to help someone else. It doesn't have to be family. It can be friends, neighbors, colleagues, ex-partners, partners, name it. Everyone who is willing can be tested um, and you don't have to have the same blood group necessarily. You don't need to have the perfect match necessarily on the tissue type. Um, there's ways around it. But in, in general, if you're healthy and didn't have recent cancer or diabetes or lots of illnesses that may render you unsuitable to be a living donor, um, get the information again. I mean, there's lots of people who think they may be unsuitable because they, they drink alcohol not even in copious amounts, uh, but that's absolutely not true. People think that uh, because there is kidney disease in the family, they may not be a suitable donor, but that doesn't have to be true either. So there's lots of um, you know things that uh, people think that may make them unsuitable. But in general, my advice would be if if you are a friend or a family member or you know someone with kidney disease that you may want to help or you want to help as an anonymous donor uh, to an unspecified recipient, um, you can also get tested and get information in, in a, one of the transplant units or kidney units close to your home. That's the main message. The outcomes of living donor kidney transplantation are much better because we can more often do preemptive transplantation, so before dialysis. Uh, but also, of course, a kidney from a living person that is tested to be healthy, um, the outcomes of transplantations are better because the kidney is better to start with. Um, so they, they can almost go twice as long as kidneys from deceased people from dead persons, um, just because the process of dying affects the quality of such kidneys. And also the people that die because of another illness are normally not as healthy as a living person who becomes a living donor. So that's the big difference. And those kidneys can be transplanted, I always call it freshly, because you take the kidney out from a, from a donor and you transplant it straight into the recipient. So there's a, only a small time frame that the kidney is out of oxygen, um, whereas from a deceased donor, obviously there's lots of, uh, there could be lots of damage to those organs because of the whole dying process and then the time spent on ice traveling from one place to another. Um, and that's, that's the biggest difference. So my plea is, you know, for everyone um, to be educated about living donation early on and, and also, what I see, we, we were just chatting about it in, in the break, um, is that 
lots of patients do not want to put their loved ones through such a process. And I think I can relate to that enormously, but we keep the donor safety as the most important thing in the whole journey of a living donor. So if it's unsafe to donate for them, we won't go ahead. As a surgeon, I'm operating on a healthy person that doesn't need that operation um, and, and should have really a low impact only of that operation with a huge benefit for the recipient on the other side. So um, also people that have donated will be followed in a transplant center for their whole life. Uh, it's like a yearly MOT. And also if people that have donated ever decades later need a transplant themselves for unrelated or even related matters, um, they have priority for receiving a transplant themselves. So I would say the safeguarding for living donors in the UK is absolutely fantastic. Um, will it ever be without problems? No. Is it without risks? No. But the risks are absolutely very, very, very low of going through such a process. And then the price to pay for people who say, uh, I, I don't want to put my loved one through this, are enormous because waiting for a kidney means more complications because of the dialysis. And perhaps you may get a transplant from a deceased person at some point, but you may not. And that will immediately impact on your survival, but also your quality of life, which is a massively underestimated uh, topic, I think, for people living with kidney disease. So at the same time, we keep the donors safe and we make sure that everyone has the best potential outcome. And also, if you are the loved one of a patient, uh, of a person with kidney disease that cannot donate, but you wanted to and only cannot donate because the, the patient didn't want you to do it, didn't want to accept that, that also has a lot of impact on the particular potential donor because psychologically it's very difficult to see a loved one going through kidney failure. And I think that is one of the key things. Um, so my plea would be try to get around it, talk. And uh, there is not enough psychosocial support in the system. It's very difficult um, to get an appointment with a re renal counselor or a psychologist or a social worker. And we do need many more people of those um, specialties to help and support that journey. Um, because as a transplant surgeon, of course, I'm not trained to be a psychosocial uh, supporter uh, professionally. I do my best, but I don't. I can't follow through with people, and I can't um, organize for them to accept things uh, in terms of living donation. So we do need much more of those elements in the system in the NHS. What final word of encouragement do you have for the listeners and the viewers? I can't emphasize enough. The earlier you know your options um, in terms of transplantation, but also choices in terms of dialysis, um, the earlier you know your options, the more you are in control as a patient. We, we say empowerment, but it's all about getting control back over your life, isn't it? And we're there to support and we're there to support within the healthcare system. But there's huge support in Kidney Care UK and other organizations that really stand next to the patient and, you know, follow the patient, the person with kidney disease in their journeys and support them where they can. There is an awful lot, but people just need to know where to find it. I think that's a theme of, of the whole podcast, hopefully.
Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Frank. Huge pleasure. How fascinating was that to hear about living donation, which I hadn't recognized or even thought of in that way, Dee. So wonderful to have had Dr. Frank there. Another comment, because you've been getting comments on social media. And so another one that's um, responded to you on Facebook is a lady by or a person by the name of Preet. I like listening to the different warriors to give me hope. It helps to know how each person deals with CKD day to day. My next guest joining me today is Paul Bristow, CEO of Kidney Care UK Charity. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. It's wonderful to have you back on the podcast. We spoke with each other very early on in my Kidney Warrior journey with Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. I believe it was episode eight where we did an interview together and we talked about the work that Kidney Care UK do. So it's now episode 100 and I just feel so honoured to to have you here today. I couldn't have recorded this podcast today without inviting you to be part of it because I I really wanted to start by saying thank you to you for, I'm getting emotional now, I just wanted to say thank you for believing in me and giving me the, the opportunity that you have given me with Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. I started, you know, recording the podcast by myself, you know, just putting it out there. And for you, like I said, to believe in me, um, Kidney Care UK is, it's such an amazing charity. It does such amazing work. And so for a major charity like Kidney Care UK to, to believe in me and, join in with me with this journey and, and working together to help kidney patients is it means the world to me and so I had to start by saying thank you so much for believing in me thank you Dick. thank you Dee. I'm, I'm incredibly honored to be here but also to thank you I think you've got it the wrong way around I think uh, I think we're here to celebrate the amazing 100 episodes that you've managed to deliver and that's a hundred episodes I don't know how many hours that is but that's a hundred episodes of you passing on information guidance and empowering patients so that they can take control of their own lives so I think we should all be thanking you for the difference that you've made probably to hundreds of lives thank you I wanted to talk a little bit about the the foundation of Kidney Care UK and why this and how the charity was started. So I wanted to just talk very quickly about that. So why was Kidney Care UK started? Uh, Kidney Care was started in 1975 and it was started by a lady who was a mother of a kidney patient. And in those days, um, treatment for kidney disease wasn't very good. Some people would say it's not great now. It certainly could be better. Um, and as a mother, which I'm sure you'll relate to, she wasn't going to accept that and she decided to do something about it. So um, uh, working out of her kitchen in Hampshire, um, she set about changing things, raising money so that she could make a difference to people's lives. And uh, I think as a charity, I think when, when the start of your organisation has that value 
embedded in it, I think that keeps you on the straight and narrow, however many years that charity keeps going. And we still believe we're carrying on her heritage. It's a lady called Mrs. Elizabeth Ward. Many people may have heard of her. And her son was called Timbo. She wrote a book about it. But she was a mother who decided that she wasn't going to settle for second best for her son. And she was going to change the system. And we are talking about a single lady uh, as I say, working out of her kitchen in Hampshire. And this is the lady who bullied the then Secretary of State, uh, I think a gentleman called Sir Keith, Sir Keith Joseph, was it then? Yes, Sir Keith Joseph, who was the health secretary in the government at the time. And she was the one that convinced him to introduce the very first donor card. And I think from uh, those early beginnings, she went on and made a huge difference. The charity opened the first holiday dialysis centre uh, in the UK, uh, and it was run by nurses and uh, and uh, supported by Kidney Care UK. And as I say, we, we just try to carry on her work um, to improve the quality of life for kidney patients in any way we can. Amazing. So in terms of how the charity started and where the charity is now, how would you say the charity has grown in terms of vision? Um, I think our vision is still very much the same one. Our mission is the same as well, which is to improve the quality of life for kidney patients. We don't deliver medical care, but as I think you heard from Sarah in the, the first episode, we like to think that for everything else, kidney patients can get in touch. So it's about improving the quality of life through delivering support ourselves, practical, financial, emotional support. It's for working in partnership with the healthcare and social care systems to uh, improve the quality of services that the state's responsible for delivering. And then thirdly, it's to make sure that the patient voice is heard and to campaign for change. And I also believe in the first episode, for example, you heard from Phoenix, who worked very closely with the charity to spearhead our campaign on the Priced Out of Existence campaign. So we very much want to make sure that the patient voice sits at the heart of everything. Um, that's, that's what should drive improvements in kidney care, should be what patients feel is important to them. And I like to think that we... We represent the patients, we amplify their voice so that it's heard and that we can drive change um, together. Could you share a final word of encouragement for the listeners and the viewers? Five words of encouragement. Share a word of encouragement. <laughs> Gosh, um, I'm not very good at five words. As my, uh, as my team will tell you, I'll probably use 105. So you'll have to just unplug the microphone when I go on too long. I think. I think my encouragement is very much to echo what you set out to do and achieve with the Kidney Warrior podcast. And that is a diagnosis of kidney disease can be a devastating thing. The burden of the disease can be incredibly high, but it doesn't own you. You make the choices about your life. Challenges come. And I think if we can play our part alongside people like you, to empower people to make the choices that they're entitled to in their life, to take control of their lives and for healthcare and everything else to fit around the, the individual kidney patient and their families. If we can just do one small thing to make that a reality, then I, I think we'll have made a small difference. 
I think there's a saying in the charity world that the charities are often too quick to say we change lives. I don't think we change lives. I, I think people change their own lives. And I like to say that we're here to help in any way we can to help them change their lives. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. What a joy to hear about the beginnings of Kidney Care UK and what it continues to do. So well done to um, Paul and the team there. Uh, but Dee, you're still getting responses on social media. So uh, Darren here again on Facebook, it says, um, just a comment of congratulations for making 100 shows. This is fantastic work. Please keep it up. Excellent. Welcome to the special edition of, well, the Diary of a Kidney Warrior. We're in our hundredth episode. My name's Nikki Tapper and I'm turning the books now on Dee Moore by asking Dee the questions, um, rather, rather than she sitting there putting it to everybody else. So can we have, uh, put our hands together and say thank you and welcome to Dee Moore. Dee, I do um, take it as a genuine honour and privilege to, to have the opportunity to do this with you. I know that we've spoken um, over the years. Our, our friendship has come from um, not only you and I, but knowing Roger from a wee lad. Um, we both went to, to the same church and our families knew each other. But I, I was trying to think actually how we've got to know each other, but I, I don't remember. I think it's from your singing days. Because if you're not aware of this, dear friends, Dee is a wonderful singer. And um, the uh, first single that introduced her to me was a track called Don't Wait. Do you remember? Don't wait another day. And it was just a, a joy because um, you've heard Dee mention about her faith. And I know that's really key to a lot of your journey. But before I get into memory lane and going down in that route, um, if you don't mind sharing to the listeners and viewers, when did you begin to um, sense that your life from a health standpoint was being challenged greatly? My health challenges began quite a number of years ago. Um, it was my first pregnancy, actually. Um, I was seriously ill when I became pregnant with my first son. And so that was when my life changed completely. And on the back of, of that, you're dealing with the pregnancy, um, and the impact that had on you, you know, as a young mom, um, married and all of those things. What, what were you, how did you feel emotionally and, and, and the challenge that was greatest in that part of your journey? I think for me, um, I have to be honest, I felt a lot of anger because I had been going to the hospital and telling them about the symptoms that I'd been experiencing and I was brushed off. And I kept saying, you know, again and again, going back to the hospital again and again. And I was literally fighting for my own life. And, you know, this was months and months and months and months of headaches to the point where I couldn't function. I couldn't think straight. Um, and even when I started to go blind, they still didn't listen to me. They just brushed me off and I wasn't taken seriously. So, um, that that was life changing and and sparked something inside of me. For that that fight, I suppose, for as you said, for your own for your own health. So the diagnosis of 
chronic kidney disease. Tell us about that. And again, then the desire to say, actually, I'm going to fight for others as well as for me. Well, what happened was the first symptoms of my illness when I was pregnant. Um, so, you know, serious illness. I had to have brain surgery. It was, it was really bad. And the first symptoms was headaches. So when I was starting to get the symptoms in relation to my kidney disease, I had like flu-like symptoms and I was run down. I felt really tired, but I just kind of brushed it off and was like, Oh, you know, I, I just need to have some rest, you know, take some annual leave, whatever. But then I started to get headaches so when the headache started, I thought that was the previous illness coming back. So that's when I was like, I can't ignore this anymore. And that's when I went to A&E to get myself checked out. And it, it's so funny because when, I mean, I was admitted um, straight away because of, you know, the blood tests that they did showed I had a high level of infection and there's loads of things going on with my, with my blood. But when I was admitted, the headaches went away so it was like the headaches forced me through the door um and this is how the journey started and like you said because I had that experience of not being listened to that wasn't going to happen to me again and so very from the big from day one of my kidney warrior journey I was challenging consultants and <laughs> asking questions and had a bit of a reputation in the hospital. <laughs> well, you mean like that's like, that, that sort of demons come in, run away, run away. <laughs> but no, in all honesty, it, it really was a, a galvanizing period in your life. And, you, you know, it was in 2019. We heard in the first um, episode or first part of this special for podcasts that um, when you were talking to Auntie Pat, mm -hmm. that you know, you were determined to say, I look as though I'm not getting get I'm not going to get an answer to what these blood test results mean. I'm going to ask you. So that first foray and challenge around CKD and what kidney disease kidney disease entails and the impact of it all, here we are a hundred episodes on. And you you shared, well in fact Share again, how did the idea come about to even say, I'm going to do a podcast and be alongside others who may be dealing with kidney disease? Well, I started, I started my online journey in um, April of 2019, and that was in the form of a vlog, which I called Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Um, but it, it would, it was just like talking to the camera and it just was like, there wasn't any interaction. So I wasn't a hundred percent comfortable doing that. And then one day my husband, Roger, suggested, he was like, why don't you do a podcast? And my response to that was, what's a podcast? <laughs> I didn't have a clue. Um, so I went away, I went to work and I was like, do you know what a podcast is? And my colleagues were like, um, yeah, we know what podcasts are and they recommended a few and I started listening to some podcasts and getting some ideas together. And I thought, you know what? I want to do a podcast. And because I, I was looking at what was available at that time, I didn't see anyone that looked like me. I didn't see anyone that was talking about the kind of things that was important because for me, it's, it's one thing having the disease, but it's another thing navigating it on a day-to-day -day basis you know what do you do how do you cope and basic things like understanding your blood test results makes a world of difference if you understand that the normal range for potassium is 3.5 to 5.3 
I learned that from Auntie Pat. Then you know that if you're going towards the the higher end of it, that cut back on the potassium, cut back on the bananas and the potatoes and all the things that you need to cut back on. So it 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 has a practical application, and I really do believe that in my journey, knowing what I know, and I learned so much through doing the podcast, is what helped me to delay you know, the decline of my kidney disease for as long as, as I was able to. Mm. And if you don't mind actually sharing about your current health with that, because it did change. Um, and I know that that, again, mentally, emotionally, what was a big upheaval? Uh, massively. I mean, I was told in my by my consultant in May of 2019 that I was six months away from dialysis. Um, and my kidney function at, at that time was about 11. And my first reaction was, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be on dialysis in six months' time. I'm going to prove you wrong. I was adamant it wasn't going to happen. And, you know, I, I went through a process and I was challenged by my health coach, Maxine, shout out to Maxine, um, to choose to live. And I made changes um, to, you know, my diet. I started exercising again and got more active and through those changes I managed to raise my kidney function to 26% and managed to maintain that for a few years. Um, Unfortunately um, my kidney function has declined and I'm now in stage five end-stage renal failure and I started peritoneal dialysis in August of this year it's been very, 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 very challenging. Um, a big adjustment. It has an impact on my, you know, day to day living, but I'm just really stubborn. I'm just determined that this is not going to get me down. I, I say continuously that I choose to live. And for me, it's about getting the best out of out of life that I can I might have to do things differently than I did before because in my past I was very active I used to train four times a week you know weight training hit training boxing I was a very very active person and I could sit and and think you know I can't do that and feel bad about you know, what I'm not able to do now, but actually how does that translate to who I am now and who I am now does things differently, but I'm still as active as I can be. And that's the most important thing to get the best out of life that I can. One of the key things, again, in your journey, thank you for sharing that. And it's a joy to be doing that, especially to hear this in an episode that's high, you know, highlighting the journey of the podcast. But then the relationship with Kidney Care UK, because I think what's so significant about that for me is that you were a black British born woman of Caribbean heritage and an organization that many would say, well, I'm sure they, they don't see uh, they know there's a range, of course, there's a range of people out there. The world is a rainbow of people. But you having this relationship, I think, is really significant. So tell me about how that felt when you got the call for them to say, actually, we, we want to work with you. We we love what you're doing. Um, and what that says then to other Black British women in particular about not seeing the world in a particular way. I think... I mean, if you see the cover of the podcast, I'm actually um, 
I chose to put my picture on there and I'm actually wearing a British flag. Um, my top's got a British flag on that. And that was a deliberate decision because a lot of the podcasts that are out, out there are American and many of the podcasts are, you know, not by people of ethnic minority. So I wanted to make a statement that this podcast is as a black British woman. Um, this is my perspective. And I think that, um, you know, t- to anyone else, I think it's a case of starting and consistency and keep going. I think when you're committed to something, you put your passion into it. You, you, I, my work ethic is excellence. Um, you know, I strive to do things really, really well. And I think when people see that, they respond to it. They, if people see quality, they, they connect to it. They, and the thing with Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast is for me, as a black person, the podcast is for everyone. Um, it's never been for one particular community. It's been peop- for people of all communities. And when I look at the people that listen to the podcast, they are from different communities, not just black people, not just white people, people of all communities listen to the podcast. So I think, um, you know, for anybody listening or anybody watching, start, just do it. Um, because there's only one you and you can reach people who I can't reach and vice versa. Yeah, very true. And I, I know that, like you said, that, that listenership that you have when you were uh, celebrating, um, podcasts, I think at that stage, you'd only done about 10 or eight and you'd got listeners from Mexico and Spain and I, and you know, countries in Africa. And I was like, wow, that, that just is testament. And that is a joy to hear that actually let's not see in on the one hand, let's not see color in a negative light. Let's see that, that this is a, a world of people and people who are dealing with um, kidney disease. Well, D we look at that. Our time is nearly up already in terms of me talking to you. I've got a couple of questions that have come in from people on on social media. But to use what you've been using with all the other guests, what's your final words of encouragement <laughs> to the <laughs> listeners and the viewers? My final words of encouragement to the listeners is, I say every single episode, but it's not cliche. I really do mean it. Choose to live at the end of the day, everybody has a certain amount of time to live and you have a choice within that. You, If you had 5,000 years to live or five days to live, the person with that's living for 5,000 years can spend those years being angry and resentful and bitter. And then the five, the person that has five days to live could celebrate every single hour of those five days and enjoy them. And that for me is what choosing to live is about you know you don't know how long you have to live so live each day to the full that you can um people of different stages of kidney disease you may have more challenges than others there's some days where you may struggle to get out of bed there's some days where you you might feel like you can run the london marathon my encouragement is to keep going don't give up Never lose hope. There is always, always, always hope and it will get better. Thank you for that, Dee. In a way, you've responded really to the questions that Deborah had put about what lessons have you learnt from your online diary and from speaking to others about kidney disease um, and about setting up this forum to help 
you and to help others in their kidney journey. So um, in light of that, is there a key thing that you think you have learnt from setting this up and especially working alongside Kidney Care UK? I think the the key thing for me is I've learned things that have helped me navigate this journey. Um, you know, every single person that I've interviewed on the podcast, whether it's a patient, a kidney warrior, or a health professional, I've learned something that's helped me personally um, in terms of my my kidney disease. Even if it's as simple as, oh my gosh, I thought I've been through the worst thing ever, but you know what? I've had a walk in the park compared to what this individual has had to deal with. So, you know, even gratitude to be like, you know what? I'm blessed. Like I've been through so, so much, but, you know, I'm so grateful. But even on a practical level, you know, um, I'm on the transplant list now. And when I met with the transplant surgeon, he'd actually heard of the podcast. Um, and we had a whole conversation about podcasts. Um, but I was able to have a discussion with him with knowledge. He said that I knew more than any patient that he'd spoken to previously. And so I feel like I was gifted with information at a time where my emotions weren't involved, that at the time that it was needed, the information was already there. And so I was able to deal and cope with the situation so much more. So I've been empowered. I've been encouraged and I have so much knowledge of kidney disease through doing this. And I'm so happy to share it. And I just really want to continue. Well, we would love you to do that and continue. But for now, congratulations, D. Moore, Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Thank you for joining me for part two of the 100th episode of Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget, you can follow me on social media using the hashtag Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Hi, my name is Cindy George. I'm an anemia specialist nurse. Um, I was so fortunate to be part of the 95th episode where I was able to discuss um, about anemia and chronic kidney disease. Um, Dee has done a lot of work, a lot of hard work, and now she has reached the milestone of reaching to the 100 episodes. Uh, and I'm sure she'll continue to uh, put out more valuable videos on podcast. Dee, you're doing a good job and keep up the good work. Hi, I'm Ali Lawrence. I shared my kidney story in episode 55. Congratulations, Dee, on celebrating 100 episodes of Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. Thanks for everything that you do for the kidney community. Hi, my name is Dele Idol, and I'm the founder of Gift of Living Donation. And I appeared on episodes 25 and 46 of Dee's amazing podcast. Dee, congratulations for reaching a fantastic milestone 100 episodes of your podcast it has been amazing it has had such a huge impact within the black community you've been able to transform and change so many people's lives so keep up the good work and we look forward to many many more amazing podcasts to come thank you hi i'm frank door a consultant transplant surgeon in london 
and I'm featuring in uh, episode 21 and 37 of Diary of a Kidney Warrior. And I'd like to congratulate Dean Moore for the 100th episode of this fantastic podcast for kidney patients and hope that many more are yet to come. And I'm very much looking forward to that um, because these podcasts really make a difference for kidney patients in their lives. So well done, Dean. And uh, let's work together for more podcasts of Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Well, my name is Professor Ibiere Kosiba. Uh, I'm a kidney doctor. Um, and I was privileged to be to uh, to be part of the episode 82 uh, of the sickle cell um, of the sickle cell and chronic kidney disease podcast uh, organized by D. Um, and I'm very proud and privileged to be part of this centennial celebration uh, of the podcast. And I wish D all the best in the future. Hi everyone, my name is Kerry Palmer, and I am a transplant patient from Scotland. I was lucky enough to be invited by Dee to join Diary of a Kidney Warrior's 58th podcast. And I just wanted to wish Diary of a Kidney Warrior the very best of luck as they launch their 100th episode. Congratulations. Hello from America in Cleveland, Ohio, United States. I'm calling to say congratulations on 100 episodes. D Moore, you are awesome. My name is Monica Starks and I was on episode 36. It was my honor to share my story with you on your podcast. And I wish you well, and I wish you another 100 wonderful episodes. Happy, happy, happy 100th birthday. Hi, my name is Andy Jones. And my kidney warrior story was featured in episode 94. I'm delighted to have played a small part in Dean's podcast journey. To get to 100 is an amazing achievement. And I look forward to listening to all the inspirational stories over the next 100 as well. Keep up the great work, Dean. Massive congratulations to Diary of a Kidney Warrior 100th edition. Amazing. I feature in number 44. Um, I'm Kate Brown, I'm a kidney doctor, massively supportive of this initiative. Amazing work, Dee. Congratulations. Hi, my name is Dr. Philippe Dion. I'm a board certified neurologist, but I'm also a two-time kidney transplant recipient. And I got to share my story on the 66th episode of a Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. I'm so proud to have been part of this journey and congratulations on your 100th episode. Hello, my name's Hannah and I'm a transplant surgeon. I feature on episode 42 of Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Um, Dee, congratulations on your massive achievement at having recorded 100 episodes of your podcast. Um, you've made a massive contribution to the renal community. So thank you. Um, and I look forward to hearing the next 100. Well done. My name is Ali Dawson and I'm a living kidney donor. I was lucky enough to be in episode number 68 and I'd like to say a huge congratulations to Dee um, for the 100th episode. You're a true inspiration and I wish you all the best. 